0: Gracious and holy God, open our ears and our minds and our hearts to the word you have for each and every one of us this night. And as I, your servant, stand before you, I pray that I would decrease, that you would increase, and may the words of my mouth and meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing to you, O God. I rock and my living. Amen. It's been more than a decade since I've spent time with this classic celebration of discipline by Richard Foster. And it's a beautiful book that has come to influence generations of people about how it is we live as spiritual beings, how we cultivate the right relationship with God so that we can grow and, in turn, hear the voice of God speaking to us. So we're going to be, throughout this season of Lent, exploring scriptures alongside that text. And we're going to be uh, incorporating the teaching throughout the sermon series. So every week we're going to focus on um, two of the disciplines that Foster talks about. So we're going to start this week and next week with the inward disciplines. Then we're going to be looking at outward disciplines and then corporate disciplines. So all of those will impact the way that we live as God's people. And I hope that as you come through this season, you feel a renewal of your spiritual life, your inward being, and you come to see the presence and the power of God of your everyday lives, Um, part of what we have to recognize is that sometimes we overly spiritualize life with God, meaning we so often think it has to be something that takes place on a mountaintop somewhere, something that we do where we can retreat from the world. But what Foster really focuses on is the fact that the spiritual disciplines are meant for all of us in our everyday being. It's for when we're washing dishes and mowing the grass, caring for our children or our parents, whatever we find ourselves doing. All of those places that we inhabit are shaped by these disciplines, and they have to be incorporated into our everyday lives. So we find um, that when we put ourselves on a path to encounter God, that is how the change happens. And Foster is very clear to say that it's not the practice themselves that change us, such as the fact that we're putting ourselves in a rhythm where God's power, God's grace, God's spirit can flow through everything that we're doing. It's important for us to think about in this day and time and and, and the world that we live in now. Because so much of what we do as people is uh, we think that we can do it in our own power. Um, And the truth is none of us can do what we are called to do as God's people in our own strength. A way to think about that is um, if we turn to the scripture that I just read, Jesus is is faced with opposition. Surprise, surprise! <laughs> Jesus is faced by opposition with the Jewish leaders because he has just healed a man who um, had been who had spent thirty eight years of his life waiting by these sacred waters, hoping someone would put him into the water as it is stirred up so that he could experience healing. And he was waiting for someone to come along and do that. And he said, every time it's my turn to get in the water, someone else gets in front of me or there isn't someone who can help me do it. And Jesus turns to that man and says, take up your mat and walk. And he does. He's healed immediately. But what happens is... The people are angry because Jesus healed this man on the Sabbath. And when Jesus is talking about what he has done, they say, they they are thinking that Jesus is putting himself on the same plane as God. That he's making himself a father. That's why all of the scripture that we just read is Jesus talking about how he he says, I assure you that the son can't do anything by himself except what he sees the father doing. Whatever the father does, the son does likewise. The father loves the son and shows him everything that he does. So Jesus is saying he's not equal to God. He has to look to the Father for inspiration. He knows the right path and what he's supposed to do. But if we think about it, the greatest sins that all of us fall into are are that tendency to think that we are. Think about back to the garden. What was it that Adam and Eve did? They ate from the, the tree of knowledge of good and evil because the serpent said, if you eat this, you'll be what? like God think about the people of Babel who are building this tower all the way up to heaven because they want to be like God that's why all the world got scrambled <laughs> because God said okay, we've got to put a stop to this so the greatest sins that we offer we think that we're equal to God somehow and that's why the spiritual disciplines are so crucial because there are these rhythms that we embrace in our lives where we're putting ourselves in a submissive path, recognizing that we have to cultivate our honor and glory of the risen Lord, and that God, Rabbi, that we do if we are attentive through what we do in our lives. And so it's going to be meditation, fasting, charity, all those things of our faith, they sum up the progress. So we want to be people who think that we're equal to God, but we recognize that all create God our glory and honor. So we have um, two of the initial disciplines we're going to talk tonight: those meditation and prayer with meditation. Because it's something that is so remarkable. lots of churches and lots of religions and even secular groups begin to teach about meditation. And I can remember the first time I ever came face-to-face with meditation. And that was at a Lollapalooza concert, if you can believe it. (laughs) But back in the mid-90s, a a musical group that I love, the Beastie Boys, um, they were going through a Buddhist phase. And uh, actually, uh, even some of the founders of the group continued to be very devout Buddhists, um, even until death. But they would travel with these monks and the monks would be in their robes and they'd be walking around the concert and they'd have these big smiles on their faces and they would put their hands to their heart and, and like look at you and bow. And I said, man, I like those guys. <laughs> I want to I have the kind of inner peace that those guys have. And they would even set up in there and then at the Tibetan Freedom Concert and some of those big musical events that shaped my teenage and early young adulthood years, they would set up these tents and have meditation, and they'd all be sitting there, you know, legs crossed, going on for hours and hours. Recognize that meditation is a huge part, not just of Eastern religions, but of Christianity. And it wasn't until I began to say, you know, I like what they're doing, but what I miss in that is the presence of Jesus Christ. And if we look at all of the traditions, whether it's transcendental meditation or other types of meditation, you know, you think about the Beatles going to India and the ashrams and and all of those, those Eastern meditative movements, all of the Eastern meditation is about detachment from this world. It's about leaving behind the constraints of your physical body. But Christian meditation goes a step further. Because in Christian meditation, you detach and empty yourself from the cares of the world, but you attach yourself to God through Jesus Christ. Because the gospel to us, um, especially you find in the Gospel of Luke. This teaching about sweeping clean your house, your inner house. And when from the passage talks about when demons are cast out, have to be equal, that you don't leave that space empty. Because what happens then is the demons go and get their friends and come back, and you have twice as many problems as before. But if you fill that space with the holy things of Jesus Christ, then you find yourself connected to the Father in a new way. So it's really important to notice that that difference. You know, it's not about just having those for brain age the right rhythm. It's about recognizing that if we're meditating on scripture, if we're planting ourselves like the psalms say to meditate and chew on the word, to plant ourselves by streams of living water, then we can grow strong in our faith like a tree. So it's something where we don't just detach from this world, but we attach to our maker, through the the person of Jesus Christ. So that's a really important difference that we have when we think about meditation. And you can do that by just focusing on the power of God's scriptures to free your mind and think about a word like shalom, like peace, a word just focusing on the person of who Jesus is. Um, And that can be an important practice that you bring to quiet your mind to think and ponder all the good that God has done. And again, it's not something that we do just in isolation. Foster says this about meditation. He says, often meditation will yield insights that are deeply practical, almost mundane. Instruction will come on how to relate to your wife or husband or how to deal with this sensitive problem or that business situation. It's wonderful when a particular meditation leads to ecstasy, but it's far more common to be with ordinary human problems. Meditation sends us into our ordinary world with greater perspective and balance. So it's a moment of, if you're struggling with what to do about something, meditation can put you in a place where you're open to hearing how God is trying to lead you in your everyday life. And it's far more of an experience to get an everyday sort of response from God than to be feeling like you're carried off into the the heights of of, of bliss and and to be carried off into heaven. Um, It's it's a much more practical practice than that. Uh, And so it's one of those disciplines that that we need to, if you don't already practice, um, then I encourage you to give it a try through through this series the next thing i want to talk about is prayer Um, foster says that of all the spiritual disciplines prayer is the most central because it is the one that ushers us into perpetual communion with father he says meditation introduces us to the inner life fasting is an accompanying means Study trains our minds, but it is the discipline of prayer that brings us into the deepest and highest work of the human spirit. Think about prayer in a lot of different ways. Sometimes we don't quite go to prayer as often as I remember. In studying different religions, people would always say, "Well, look at Islam, they have a mandate where they pray five times a day. But in actuality, the ancient Christian church would pray how many times a day? You know? Seven. Seven times a day. The, the, a lot of people attribute this to St. Benedict, but it goes even further to the back to the early desert mothers and fathers. There were the, the hours of the divine office. Matins, lauds, prime, terse, Sext known Vespers and compline. So all of those hours are well actually eight of them right because they added in an extra one. So Madden starts at midnight and then there's an office at 3 a.m or dawn and then 6 a.m, 9 a.m., noon, 3 pm., 6 p.m. 9 p.m., start the whole thing over again. So if you go to a monastery or a convent, you would have the priest being divine hour in prayer. But that's not even all of it, because we know through Scripture, we are to be people who pray without ceasing. And we're always using every opportunity that we have to lift up a word of prayer God. And so I want you to think about the ways that you pray Foster says, you have to write and tell him what to do. Instead, prayer is telling, is is asking God to tell us what to do in any given situation. And to pray is to change. He has this beautiful way of of talking about it, where if you think (laughs) about prayer like a television set. Now, Sometimes, if we're praying and it's not working, we just think, "Oh, prayer doesn't work." That's it. I'm not going to try. I'm not going to bother anymore. But if you think about your television set, imagine you go to turn it on and it's not working. What do you do? Well, you start fiddling with the switches. You make sure the remote has batteries. You grab the plug and try to put it in, put it in again. You don't just um, you don't just say. Oh well, the, this isn't ever going to work, so I'm never going to try again. I'm going to leave it alone. No, it, it's it's something that you have to make changes to to practice because the, all of a sudden you want to know that the picture is going to be transmitted magically to your screen, um, and so the same goes for our prayer lives. If we don't find that our prayers to be answered being answered. What we have to do is listen and make adjustments to them. We have to consider if the blockage that is taking place might be because of our spirit or something we need to change about how often we pray or how we pray. And a lot of times, Foster says, we always say, uh, we'll pray a prayer for something, but then we always add, if it be thy will. But think about that. We want to be approaching God as children, approaching a loving Father. If you think about it, when your kids come to you, like Shaw every morning says, I want a gummy bear, or she'll say, I want a bowl of cereal with milk. She doesn't say, "If you, if it be your will, or if you want to give it to me, Mommy. No, she pleads until I give it to her. And that's how prayer is. Sometimes we give God an out, but prayer changes things. And if we can be bold in our prayers and ask for what we want God to do, what we need God to do, then God has to respond one way or another. So we mustn't be quick to give God an out and say, Oh, you're not going to do this prayer. I understand. But just hear that this is what I want from you. We have to be bold when we make our prayers. Kierkegaard, Soren Kierkegaard, put it this way. He said, a man prayed, and at first he thought that prayer was talking. But he came he came more and more quiet until in the end he realized prayer was listening. Often, in need to God's God will give us the prayer to pray. God will tell us how to ask for what we need. And sometimes God will even reveal what our prayer should be um, that may be completely different from what we were expecting. But through a spiritual discipline, we cultivate the practices and we get used to it. And, and Foster said a lot of times we go right to God for big things. Like we say, heal this cancer, get rid of this global situation, bring peace on earth. And we don't bother trying to cultivate that gift in little things like, Heal this ear infection. Or take away this cold. And that's akin to being a casual jogger who goes and trains and goes up into a marathon. <laughs> you know, you, you have to practice small things. And that helps your relationship grow even stronger so that you will know how to pray when many things happen. So be willing to take it to the Lord. No matter how small you think a concern may be, to trust that God is going to act as the back. So these are all ways that we can begin to practice more spiritual disciplines. And I know in often we try to give things up. We try to say, I'm not going to eat chocolate or I'm not going to eat. Chocolate. I hope that we can cultivate these spiritual disciplines on throughout the season so that we can go through these six weeks together and be changed inwardly. And then that will, that will explode into all sorts of ways that we serve God in our community, in our everyday lives, as we're informed by the power and presence of our, of our maker. So we ask all of this in the name of the one who calls us to abide in him and to love the Lord deeply. Amen.